Blog Talk Radio. and I welcome you to episode number 40 of a Metsian podcast. Uh, we're coming to you early today. We're clearing the way for a championship Sunday in the NFL, and we're going to tackle one of the more scandalous events to hit uh, the nearly 150 years of professional baseball. Wow, what an onion to peel. So without further ado, I'll bring on my Metsian podcast cohorts, uh, forthright, Sam Maxwell, the CEO of this operation. Hello, sir. Hello, Mike. Is, is there something big we have to discuss this week? Is, I don't know. We, you know, we might fall a little short of material to uh, last the length of the show. Rich, <laughs> our other partner in podcasting crime, what say you uh, and hello? Hey, Mike. Uh, well, Typically at this time of year, you know, Championship Sunday, speeding into the Super Bowl, which only means one thing, spring training's right around the corner. But this year, that's not the deal. We have a lot more to talk about, and I'm sure you'll walk us through that. So hello, everybody. Uh, I like being on at a unique time today, and uh, let's get to it. The hot stove is glowing bright orange for all the wrong reasons. Uh, today's special guest, you can catch him at Baseball and Barbecue. Uh, his latest episode is, let me just flip my notes here, The Last Ride of the Iron Horse, Lou Gehrig. Uh, Jeff Cohen, welcome back to the show. Thank you for offering your your time. And by all means, please continue along with your bio, what you're doing, and where we can find it. Well, thank you very much, guys. appreciate being back on the show. Yes, uh, Baseball and BBQ, we can be found at www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. All our episodes are posted up there, as long as also on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all that podcasting format. Yeah, like you said, our last episode was Last Ride of the Iron Horse. We interviewed Dan Joseph, who wrote a book about the last championship season of, of Lou Gehrig and how he dealt with it. It was a very, very interesting interview. Uh, and if you guys go back uh, to episode 50, we actually had the former president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Jeff Idelson. We were fortunate enough to get him, along with a baseball photographer, Gene Fruit, to talk about their uh, graphic baseball initiative. And uh, just uh, an upcoming episode, we were with Len Aberman and I were lucky enough to interview Sean Clancy of Foley's Bar in New York City. I'm sure you've been there. The great baseball bar, and we talked to him for about uh, almost an hour. It was a great, great interview, and uh, looking forward to releasing that next week. Very good. So let's just jump right in. Uh, we know what this is all about. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you your first impressions. Uh, where does this sit with regards to baseball history? Uh, you know, gambling was a, a rampant and very rich 
part of baseball in the late 1800s, and the 1919 Black Sox scandal was merely the capstone on a very large pyramid at the time. Uh, but the owners uh, knew that they would lose their product if they didn't straighten themselves out. In the late 1800s, uh, you know, we're discussing, we're talking about fan bases of, you know, five, six, 12,000, you know, fans at any given time as the game started to grow. And half of the fan base, or I should say spectators and people in attendance, were indeed gambling. And all that took place out in the open. Uh, and then you have the Black Sox scandals, which, uh, you know, fostered the era of a commissioner. There's the 1951 Giants, you know, sign stealing uh, in their playoff match against the Brooklyn Dodgers at the Polo Grounds. And if you want to call binoculars and a buzzer, uh, use of technology, by all means, please do. In my lifetime, uh, we have uh, owner's collusion against potential free agents. Uh, we have the drug trials of the 1980s. I consider the ousting of Faye Vincent scandalous. We'll get into that and your opinions. And we have, of course, the steroid era. So my question, where on the Richter scale does this science-stealing scandal, starting with Houston and bleeding into other organizations, rank amongst baseball's past? And previous scandals, and I will start with our guest this afternoon, Jeff Cohen. Oh, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, where does it rank? I think it's it's just because of the age we live in, everything with the immediacy and Twitter and Facebook and everything blowing up. This is uh, this ranks up there as uh, one of the most egregious scandals. But you know what? The 1919 Black Sox, I, I think, what is the tip of the iceberg. That is the, the most scandalous uh, scandal to hit baseball. Uh, I agree with you with Alcina uh, St. Vincent because I thought he would be a great commissioner. Uh, you also have the Pete Rose betting scandal. That, uh, I don't know how he's being yeah. brought into today, comparing it to today's uh, cheating scandal, but it's apples and oranges in my view. And you of course, you the drugs and the steroids and all that. But this, is, uh, this, this ranks up there. This uh, was really egregious. Rich, where on the Richter scale do you uh, do you rate this? I'd say it's second, Mike, after gambling. Um, you know, gambling, uh, of course, affects the outcome of the game. You know, you could get um, you could get to certain players, and you know, you're fixing games possibly, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's probably the most egregious thing that's ever happened to the game. This would be second, though, and it's second because. We don't know how big this is at this point, and um, and it's so weird because sign stealing is an art form, and it's you know if you're a good sign stealer when you're on base and that kind of thing that's lauded in the game. Uh, but using technology to do it is something obviously the technology's only been there for a few years now, and um, but it really is a big deal, and um, so I'm going to put it second behind gambling because. While gambling, you get to somebody who can intentionally throw a game kind of a thing. This also directly impacts the outcome of the game on the field in a big way. So I'm going number two here. Sam, the logistics involved in this particular scandal, to me, forces it into you know either slot one or slot two. Uh, because, you know, you needed planning and... 
logistics and there was a lot involved in this. Whereas gambling, all right, the Black Sox they wanted to you know essentially screw their owner and, and make a few bucks. We get that. Uh, you know, collusion. Uh, Jeff rightfully uh, reminded us of Pete Rosen incident. He was a degenerate gambler. Do we think he was cheating or betting against or for his team and and misappropriating players and talent and situations and whatnot? We don't know. So having said all that, Sam, where do you stand? You know, it's kind of a surreal thing to be going through right now, especially because there's so many different unsubstantiated rumors that, like, you could tell, all right, these people got thrown under the bus. Now the floodgates are about to open. Everybody's going to be finger-pointing, and that's exactly what's been happening. You know, Yankees have been accused. Dodgers have been accused. Uh, everybody's cheating now. My, my trout came out something about HGH, except the, 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 the tweet, you know, had the wrong third base coach. So people are like, well, you know, the, the entire thing was, was completely, you know, uh, thrown up there on Twitter with, with all these details kind of missing. So it, even if, even if it, it is true, like all of a sudden, you know, people are just throwing like, you know, shit against the wind. It's ridiculous. It, it's flying in everybody's faces right now. And I think what, why, because it's so surreal, it's hard to completely uh, uh, um, understand it when you're, you're sitting in the middle of it all, like we are right now. It could end up being the biggest scandal in baseball history only because of the way it changes the game. Because there's no other sign stealing that's come up uh, uh, that has definitively, <clears throat> excuse me, that has definitively changed the game the way this one has. And a lot of it obviously has to do with the time that we're, we're living in. But, you know, it, 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 doesn't, it didn't seem as big of a deal. It used to be just like, all right, well, and, and that's probably the thing about it right now is that most of baseball is like we're all doing this, but now it's been outed in public and we have to act like, like this hasn't been going on. Um, but at the same time, like, like I forget exactly who the player was, but I believe he's a pitcher for the Indians. He made a great point about how this affects everybody involved in the entire baseball world about people coming up and down and, and the, the, the all-stars and, and, and the World Series money and all these different factors that lead to people's well-being and, and their families getting fed. That's why the way, like, like, regardless of what's happened in the past with the Giants in, in 1951 and that coming out, you know, like, like Ralph Ranka has told how he, he felt vindicated in some fashion uh, because of that. But, like, it still didn't completely change the game to the point that they thought, well, technology is, is really coming up fast and we're going to need to get ahead of this. They didn't seem to give two shits. Rob Manfred, and, 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 and to an extent, you could say Bud Selig didn't necessarily set the foundation. But Rob Manfred, and we'll get to the broad picture in, in a little bit, I'm sure, has had just, just like one thing after the other people are criticizing. And I, I guess he's only been here for like four or five years. And now this. 
Um, and, and so it's really going to be a, a mark on his legacy, the way he deals with this, because, you know, like, you know, I think a lot of, uh, 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 some of us who sometimes lean on the old school in some fashion can take the route that, that, uh, Mike Francesa did before he, he left WFAN, uh, for this time. Um, when he was talking about it, not being that big of a deal, sign stealing's been, been in baseball forever, but like, this is this is why you know uh, Mike Francesa, as entertaining as he is, has been constantly shown to not have his pulse on the actual sporting world right now. Is the fact that he thought this wasn't that big of a deal and it, it, it was it was being you know something out of nothing. Uh, but now here we are, and and it's you we're not going to be able to completely understand it until it's all said and done. It, it's 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 fascinating thing to go through, especially because of the social media element of it. But like, it's the kind of thing that like it's blown up because of social media and two you know, 2020 and, and the, the, the world that we're living in. But at the same time, it may be a bigger deal than we think. And it may change the game in a bigger way than anything in the history of the game really quite possibly ever has even bigger than, than steroids, because, you know, like you, you saw in, in, in some fashion, the way that, that uh, this was coming out in, in terms of the steroids was like some players never actually got to that all-star, all-star level. You'd hear these names and you'd be like, Oh, that, 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 nothing ever happened. It, it may have been that with the steroid era, there was more even playing field than we're finding right now. And so it, it could be, when it's all said and done, this is the biggest scandal in the history of baseball. Wow. Uh, you know, you bring up Manfred, and they buy the company that manufactures their baseball, and he admits there's something wrong with the baseball. <laughs> How is that when, when the recipe, you know, should be unchanged for all these years? I found it very amusing. Bobby Valentine was on the fan here locally on radio, uh, and he says this is nothing. In Japan, you know, it, it's ten times worse. Uh, and just listening to him explain that, I found that very amusing. Uh, and there's also a school of thought that, uh, you know, the Astros, Red Sox, etc. you know, they're the ones who just got caught, and, and that this is probably league and, and baseball-wide. What do we know? Nothing. You know, we're just bloggers and podcasters and fans and, and you know, things of that nature. Um, but here we are. We have opinions. Let's get to the Astros. MLB hands down their report and, and suspends A.J. Hinch and the general manager for a year. Uh, the owner says, yeah, that's all fine and well, but you know what? You're fired. I like that. That's acting with conviction. Uh, nice move on his part. But from 17, it appears that potentially the Astros still may be engaged in, in some form or, or another in the sign stealing. Uh, you know, there's great speculation now that Altuve requested to not have his jersey torn off uh, in the 19 playoffs uh, for fear of exposing a wire, etc. I think that's wild speculation. But, again, what do we know? Only what we're being told. So let's pick it up with uh, A.J. Hinch. Now, one more comment about the owner. He said 
and I paraphrase that this started from the ground up. But my manager and general manager did nothing to stop or suppress it. So that being said, let's uh, focus on the Astros 2017 through the present time. Uh, and, and Rich, I'll, I'll go to you. Well, you know, there's rumor that A.J. Hinch was not supportive of it and that um, I heard, I think it was yesterday, that he rumored that he smashed some monitors along the way out of anger, you know, saying, don't do that, you know, I don't support that. Um, but, again, Mike, like you said, we don't know, okay? I, I think the um, a lot of the media people like to pretend they know and they don't. You don't know what those conversations were. You don't know if it started with the players saying, look, maybe the players tap somebody on the shoulder in the organization, hey, if we can get an iPad here and somebody with binoculars there, we could really do something. And then the organization, as the owner said from the ground up, the organization embraced it. Great. Was that the case? Well, maybe. Was it the case that there was institutional cheating on the Astros where they decided – we can get this done. You know, we have the technology to do it. We can hide it. You just don't know which way it worked. Um, all we know is what we're told, like you said. And if, in fact, it was ground up, which I find hard to believe personally, um, you know, players, they steal, they steal signs on the field. It's a little bit of a stretch for me, and I'd love to hear you guys comment on this, to think that players are so dialed into technology when they've got so much on their minds that they're going to say, hey, you go there with binoculars, you get an iPad, you get a buzzer. I, I don't know. I mean, it seems a bit of a stretch to me. Uh, but um, when his organization was exposed, the owner dismissed the people, and, and that's taking a definitive stand, so okay. Um, and that's where I am with it. You know, I, I don't – it's the Houston Astros. Personally, I don't have a dog in that fight. You know, they were exposed for what they did in 17, in particular, in the World Series. Should their World Series title be vacated? I don't know, and quite frankly, I don't care. Whether it was, you know, we're speculating here, but at the end of the day, I'm not losing a wink of sleep over, was it ground up or top down? I don't care. I I really think about how this affects my team, and we're going to get to that later. Um, But, and again, all we could do is speculate, and I'll leave it with this. I think anybody who, you know, media people, fans, anything like that, anybody who claims to know exactly what was going on other than the people involved, I think they're full of crap. That's my opinion. Jeff, care to pick up from there? Yeah, well said, Rich. Uh, you're right. Uh, if anybody thinks they know what's going on, except for those who are involved, they don't know. It's all speculation. Um, obviously, the use of technology is, is – is what's at the at the forefront here. Sign stealing has been going on forever, just like Bobby Valentine said on on uh, WFAN. You know they study the the third base coach when you're on second base. You look at the uh, you look into the catcher. That that's part of game. That's part of the game. It's institutionalized. It's always always been there. Use of technology it's become so blatant now. When they pan the the dugout, you can see the iPads. I don't understand why they need iPads and, and during the game anyway, but I can I, I guess for replay or whatever. But this this is so such deeply run in, in all the uh, all the teams. It's not just the Astros. They just uh, the one most blatant and got caught, especially with the use of the garbage can banging. People can actually hear that. 
They weren't very smart doing it that way. Whether they have these electronic buzzers on their on their skin, who knows? We don't know. We'll probably never know. But this is a this is just a, a black mark on the game, black mark on the Astros. They're not going to vacate the uh, the World Series. They can't do that. Firing of the the manager and the general manager was the right thing to do. I would really like to see the players involved get punished. That's not going to happen. Bob Manfred is, is afraid of the, of the union, and that's why they're not going to uh, suspend or, or discipline any of these players. They're the ones who really started this, and they got the ball rolling. And can I, I, can, I, can I cut you off, Jeff, real quick regarding that? that sure. Um, it, 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 it's, it's strange when you think about this, <clears throat> and this is kind of uh, maybe a good segue in some fashion, in that somebody brought it up to me yesterday I, I think that when it comes to the Carlos Beltran element, with specifically the Mets, the heat was really hot at that moment. And you can understand where the Mets are coming from because Carlos Beltran was ready to take the heat, according to sources. Uh, and, and the Mets were just like, you know, we, we can't. And I, under, I kind of understand that. You know, we're going to get a little bit deeper into it. And I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll let you take that with, with, uh, with that, Mike. But you know, somebody brought it up to me. Like, does this mean that every manager, every player involved will never be a manager in the, in, in the league? And I, again, I'll go to, I think it was literally with Carlos Beltran and the Mets. I think it was the perfect storm, but uh, uh, it, 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 it's going to, it brings up a lot of things, but with, when, when it comes to like Manfred being afraid of the players union and only mentioning Carlos Beltran, <clears throat> probably because he was in now in a position of power. Um, he's setting these players up to, to it, it, it's all, it's all basically going to be guerrilla warfare here. And these players could be seriously injured, whether it's because of, of, of a baseball to the head or a baseball to the, to the wrist, whatever it is, that's what we're going to probably be dealing with in many fashion, especially when you hear players like, and I got to look up the tweet now to know exactly who I'm talking about when it comes to the Indians. Uh, pitcher who who was outspoken while he was getting a tattoo. So you're going to have people who are kind of a little harder edged who are going to be like, yo, you took food off of my mother's plate. And, and, and that's, and, and not by not having those details out when it comes to the players, especially if they're reporting that this was the ground up, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, well, well said, and I believe that player was Mike Clevenger. But yeah, you know, I was, I thought of that as well. That these players are going to take things into their own own hands, and you might see a lot more hit by pitches next next season. In fact, I, I'm betting on that. You know what? Let's stick with players for a second. Uh, the Mets have an employee, Jessica, Jessica Mendoza, and she spoke out against. Uh, I forget his first name right at the moment. Freeze, a pitcher Freeze who played for the Astros, and him uh, essentially, you know, playing the role of rat, lack of a better word. Uh, you know, was she, professionally speaking, in her capacity, right or wrong, to say what she said? But it also speaks to Sam's point where, uh, you know, this is only the tip of the iceberg, and more players, perhaps, might be coming out and 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 speaking you know, in in one direction or another uh, with regards to this situation. So, And can, can I just, just, can I just really quickly say it was Mike, Mike 
Mike Anthony, um, and that uh, if you want to find him on, wow. on Twitter, it's uh, at Mike underscore Anthony 13. And he had a great, um, a, a, a great little interview on a channel called Momentum. Uh, and, it, you know, he, he makes a lot of fair points regarding, especially with the, the, the it coming out about, you know, uh, uh, trying just to um, cut minor league baseball. Like there's, there's all these different factors when it comes to Manfred's tenure coming together here. Um, and I, it's, it's just like uh, the broad stroke about it is, is, you know, Manfred is not handling his tenure well at all. Totally agree. Rich, Jessica, uh, Jessica Mendoza's comments, Rich, in her capacity as an employee for the Mets. All right, Mike, I'm going to start it by reading the comments. It'll probably take about 30 seconds, but I think this will help. Here, here are her exact words, okay? Mendoza, going public, yeah, I get it if you're with the Oakland A's. This is about Mike Fires, and you're on another team. I mean, heck yeah, you better be telling your teammates, look, hey, heads up. If you hear some noises when you're pitching, that's what's going on for sure. But to go public, yeah, it didn't set well with me. Honestly, it made me sad for the sport that that's how it got found out. This wasn't something MLB naturally investigated or that even other teams complained about because they naturally heard about it, and then the investigations happened. It came from within. It was a player that was part of it that benefited from it during the regular season when he was a part of that team. That, when I first heard about it, it hits you like, it hits you like any teammate would, right, that it's something you don't do. I totally get telling your future teammates, helping them win, letting people know. But to go public with it and call them out and start all this, it's hard to swallow. That's Jessica Mendoza on ESPN on, I think it was, Thursday. So now, what we have to talk about, though, is the fact that she's a Mets employee and it impacted the Mets. And, and what is that all, how does that all play out? I've heard different people say different things. Some people say, hey, Mike Fires is a hero. He put his name to it. Um, he, he didn't whisper in somebody's ear. And, yes, I do give him credit for that. I give him credit for finally putting his name to it and saying, you could put my name on this. I'm outing the Astros. So I do give him credit for that. Now talking about Jessica Mendoza, again, you know, and we're going to get to this later, but, but here's a situation where the Mets seemingly are on the sidelines and they're dragged into the muck because – it's impossible for her to make comments like that and have somebody within a nanosecond say, well, she's a Mets employee and they have Beltron. You know, it right away looks like she's trying to protect the Mets. It was really bad. You know, it was a bad look for her. It was a bad look for the Mets. And, again, I, and here's a case where I actually feel sorry for the Mets organization. I, I don't know if she knew what the heck she was saying or if she knew what, what impact it would have. But again, it circled back to the Mets within seconds. That here's your employee trying to, you know, say, oh, it's not Beltron who's at fault. It's that guy who outed it. It's his problem. Well, I'm sure that's not what she meant, but it came off that way. It came, and nobody's going to divorce the fact that she's a Mets employee from those comments, and it reflected badly on her and badly on the Mets. It's just a cluster. I, I mean, it's just another example of how this is a cluster. That's my opinion. Jeff, you want to add to that? It, it, it's such an unbelievable conflict of interest. She should not, you know, she has to write what she wants to say anytime she wants. She has that platform. She has that on ESPN. But as a Met employee as well, 
she should have just, you know, really uh, rescinded herself, recused herself from saying anything because you can't have that confidence in interest. Once she says that, you know it's coming back to the Mets right away. It, it was just a bad, bad, bad look. And she should, she should have just not said anything because of the, being a Mets employee. Sam, let's uh, let's transition to the Red Sox very quickly because Carlos Beltran is is burning a hole in our pockets like money. Uh, so you know we'll get to that shortly. But you know Carlos Beltran was a player with the Astros in '17. Alex Cora was the bench coach uh, for those couple of years before Alex got there. Or you know the Astros were you know they struck out the least amount times in baseball, and the Red Sox were on par with the Yankees further down the list. When Alex Cora took over the Red Sox, uh, their strikeouts dropped dramatically and were on par with Houston's. Uh, There's a little anecdotal evidence there as to what's been going on. Uh, And I also want to compare and contrast the way Houston, Boston, and the New York front office uh, have handled their, you know, particular matters. you know, Dave Dombrowski hired Alex Cora. He got fired. Uh, the Red Sox hired a new general manager, Hein Bloom, whom many Mets fans wish was the general manager of the Mets. Uh, but let's not go there yet. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, he had an easy out with Cora's implications in this matter. To, to dis- While they say it was a mutual agreement, but, you know, put through the translator, we know what really happened. What do you think? And you know, he, he, along with Beltran, are being portrayed and painted as the masterminds uh, of the initial masterminds of this uh, fiasco. Obviously, Houston is. We think we speculate Houston is continuing along with their shenanigans. But uh, now that you know it has bled into Boston and bled into New York, what or uh, how do you perceive Alex Cora's future from this moment forward? Well, when you look at it, it kind of it, it does make sense. Um, outside of the, I guess, in some fashion, the coincidence that they're both of Puerto Rican descent, um, which you know, when when you you see people saying something of of, of you know, Alex uh, uh, AJ Hinchel is going to be fine, but uh, Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran they never work in maybe blacklisted, and you wonder about the racial element of it. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time. When you just look at the the picture of you know who Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran are within the the uh, the river of baseball, if you will, and and you know where they they just got off of the player element of it and, and were segueing to a different uh, um, a, a, a different rank in the in the boat, if you if you're literally talking about the boat going down midstream. Um, and and so with with the fact the 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 generational element of all of this and and the reactions going back to even like what I was talking about with Mike Francesa, Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran are are now um, you know uh, 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 are are from the the same era of players, uh, but now there's a whole new era of technology and their old shenanigans, if you will, like going all the way back to 19, 
51 and obviously further, like we talked about, this has been in baseball forever, um, just got basically, you know, up, uprooted. Uh, uh, all of baseball basically just got uprooted. And, and they, as a, you know, from a genera- generational standpoint, are that representation. And, and um, now this is how the next generation of players is going to deal with it. Uh, and, and so, you know, and, and I can't help but think that this is what the Mets had in mind the entire time when they hired Carlos Beltran. You know, it's hard, to, and, and that's one of the reasons why he probably did have to go, is this cynical element of it, that this entire thing was the Mets basically thinking they were going to be third time's a charm. Well, third time's a fucking charm when it comes to everything getting outed before you're the third uh, uh, team to magically win a World Series because of this. It's, it's just like, and it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with Jessica Mendoza, what we're talking about with that. It made, what it made me think about is leadership. There's a fine line between good leadership and bad leadership. It's, it's, it's remarkable because it just makes me think about Jeff Wilpine and how Brody Van Wagenen, as much as I wanted to be um, uh, enthusiastic about his hire and, and how, you know, maybe the outside the box element and the fact that he was an agent could bring a different angle to all of this. But right now what you're seeing is Brody Van Wagenen is an extension of the bad leadership of Jeff Wilpon. And it, 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 there's a fine line between, Leading, leading the charge properly and, and not leading the charge properly. And it, it, it's basically what this all comes down to when it comes to Jessica Mendoza not understanding that you don't do that, considering how tied up in it all the, the Mets were in, in all of this. And I know you were talking about the Red Sox, but it, it, all of this just makes me think about, about leadership. And, and that element of it, uh, outside of, of the generational aspect of, of all of this and, and where baseball goes from here. Okay, thanks for answering the question. All right, let's, let's do Carlos Beltran. Uh, <laughs> he played for the Astros in 17. Uh, he moved on to the Yankees organization in the front office capacity, however major or minor, minor it may have been. Uh, he comes to the Mets as manager, knowing what he knows. And with all the dis- recent disclosure, you know, you think uh, Brody would have had a conversation with him and, and try to get a little bit of insight as to what was going on. I also question, you know, the Yankees were one of the uh, one of the teams uh, who went after Houston uh, specifically for sign-stealing, and they brought in Beltran. I wonder if they tried picking his brain. Uh, you know, some of us, I won't put a number on it, you know, we're never too keen on hiring Beltran in the first place. Uh, so where do we go from here? Let's just go gonzo, whatever's on your mind. Carlos Beltran is open for discussion. Jeff, what say you? Okay. Thanks for the forum. I'm going to begin by saying I was really not a fan of Carlos Beltran, actually when he signed with the Mets way back when as a player. Didn't like the shenanigans that was going on in that negotiation. Having said that, uh, I also did not like him being hired as a manager. I think I, I wanted with everybody else, the experienced guy, Girardi, Showalter, anybody else, that elk, 
but you know what? I'm going to probably sound I'm going to sound sound a little indifferent here and say you know probably going to defend Carl Feltran here because I am livid that he was actually mentioned in Rob Branford's report. He said there's a group of players, and he specifically uh, shouted out Carl Feltran. Why was that? I, I'd love to get an answer to that. I'll know. I know I'll never get an answer to that. But he 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 mentioned Carl Feltran. That threw the Mets. And by the way, it's the whole Metsian thing, because it happened when uh, when they had Mike Piazza being honored. That, you know, that, it's just so Metsian. Anyway, I still want to get an answer why he was mentioned. It, it made the Mets do Mantrid's dirty work, because he, he wasn't going to discipline any players, because like I said, he, he was, uh, I think he's afraid to go up against the union. But now Beltran's not protected by the union. Therefore, he, that's why he mentioned him. That's why they had the Mets had to do something. Now, I wish the Mets had some guts and say, listen, we we hired Carl Feltran. We're going to stand behind Carl Feltran, have a press conference, be it two, three hours, get all the questions out there, and then end it. Because once the season starts, it probably might have – I would hope it will go away. If anybody thinks Carl Feltran would try to cheat during the season with some type of elaborate fine stealing or whatever type of scandal, they've got to be nuts because why would he be so stupid to try that again? And, and they should have just thrown it back in, in, to Manfred's face and say, look, you want to do something about it, you do it. We're going to stay by, by our manager. And leadership. Leadership. Really leadership. leadership. Exactly what you're, you're like, Jeff, what you're talking about. Leadership, leadership, leadership. This all goes all right, back Sam. to Jeff and Brody. All right, Sam. Leadership. Continue along the Beltran-Gonzo line, but compare and contrast how Houston ownership handled their business, how Boston front office and ownership handled their business, and how the New York Mets are presently handling their business. It just makes sense that, like, they can do exactly what the other guys do, except look like absolute buffoons while doing it. And it's, it, it, remember, remember the, uh, during the presser, Evan Roberts asked, like, you know, did this ever come up? And Brody had a lawyer answer about it. And then Evan tried to follow up with him. He's like, wait, what are you talking about? How does this not come up? This was prevalent within everything that's going on. And this is where it comes back to the idea that they knew exactly what was going on. Everybody in baseball knows exactly what's going on. The only reason any of this is happening, players are going to be outspoken about it, obviously, like we're talking about Mike Anthony, but when it all comes down to the leadership element of it, everybody knows what, it, it's just, it's all PR. And, and it goes back to like, how, how does this not, this is where it, you, you know that it, it's all about saving space and they have, you know, they're not doing anything with conviction. They, they sit on their hands having meetings about what to do while other teams are going out and actually doing it. It's the, it's, it's, it's what the way Jeff Wilpon and, and, you know, like, like I, I almost don't want to say Fred, he's only complicit in letting Jeff be the ringleader in all of this for the past 20 years. But everything that you hear is that Fred's a, 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 a Fred is a good man and, and personable and, cares and understands, and that Jeff is the spoiled, rotten douchebag of a son who's been put in charge of this team. 
that's just like everything that you hear, whether it's privately meeting Jeff or, or out in the open when you piece all everything together, other than the fact that sometimes the media has no conviction with calling Jeff out because they, 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 he's probably a fucking source. Um, you know, it all goes back to Jeff with this instance and why, again, the Mets can be involved in a scandal they're not involved in. It, it all just goes back to, like, you know, I was actually excited to see what Carlos Beltran could do with, with, with this, but knowing that the hire was probably all because they were like, well, you know, third time's a charm. Well, third time's a charm, and you guys fucked it up. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> you know, we're still, we're still going Gonzo and Beltran. You know, continue along with how the Mets have handled this versus Boston and Houston, and I'll let you start transitioning us uh, towards, you know, what do they do now? Uh, we're less than 25 days till pitchers and catchers report. We have no manager. Beltran goes down as the only defeat, undefeated manager in Mets history. Uh, before I give it to you, Rich, guys, I asked you a question before we started the show, and that's where I'm headed next. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that discussion. So, Rich, pick it up. Well, um, I wanted an experienced manager, too, but I was very happy with Beltran. I've always liked Carlos. And um, I wanted the Mets to make amends with him. It bothered me that there was bad blood. So I thought we were in great shape. Intelligent baseball man, mending fences with the Mets, great. So now when I hear this and they dismissed him, I was very angry at first. I I was like, I, I was in the camp that Sam was, you know, have some balls, defend your guy, come out there and say, look, talk to him we're okay with it we're gonna you know we and let him answer the questions do a press conference get out in front of it it seems like that would have helped but then the other side of my brain kicked in yes you could have done that every every time the Mets play in another city he would hear it the Mets would hear it if the Mets beat a team you know win two out of three or sweep a series on the road sign stealing Mets are sign stealing you know it would have happened and whether or not it's true it would have been a distraction. It's unfortunate, uh, but it was. It would be something that would be hanging over this organization for as long as Beltron was in place. And it pains me to say that because I really do like the guy, and I was. I'm very disappointed still. But when my uh, super ego, if that's the right term, took over, you know, the logical side of the brain and the emotional side went away. I said, you know what? As painful as it is. They had to dismiss him for that reason. Now, how did they handle it? They let him twist in the wind for a few days. You know what? We're used to that. The Mets don't handle things well. I, I wish they would have handled it better and done it more quickly. Um, but they looked like buffoons in the process. You know, oh, we're going to talk to him. We're having these private conversations. Then they aired out the fact that, well, you know, we had made the decision to dismiss him, and then we figured we would sleep on it. They said this. They, we would sleep on it and see if we felt the same way the next day, and we did. Apparently, uh, Carlos tried to plead his case, which makes it even worse. Uh, it makes it look like it wasn't mutual. So ultimately, I think they did what they had to do and did the right thing. Their process was bad, um, but then again, they're the Mets, and I, I don't know when that will ever change. Um, so that's where I am with it. Um, 
so now where do they go from here, Mike? I think you, you asked that, and I'd, I'd like to be the one to kick that off. Um, we're hearing Luis Rojas. We're hearing, um, you know, you're hearing him mostly, actually. Let me, let me say this, okay? Taking somebody, I don't care if he's been in the organization a long time, taking somebody with no experience and putting that person in this situation, let me ask the three of you, let me ask anyone who is listening to this podcast, now we're in an archive, is that setting the man up for success? Ask yourself that question. We just said 45 minutes ago, this is perhaps the biggest scandal in the history of baseball. It's one or two. We agreed on that. You're going to take somebody who's never managed in the big leagues in New York City with perhaps the biggest scandal in the history of baseball and put that man in that spot. Are you kidding? Seriously, ask yourself, are you kidding? You'd be doing this man a disservice. Uh, No, you don't do that. You get somebody who is an experienced manager who can at least have that piece of it. Because remember, the manager of New York Mets is going to be dealing with this crap and managing a baseball team that is expecting to contend. You get yourself a veteran manager who's had the cameras on him before, and you let that person who's experienced with managing a ball club at least has that piece down, and somebody who's been in the spotlight, taken the questions, has the battle scars, put someone like that. Uh, You know what? If it's if it's Dusty Baker, I'm okay with it. If it's Bobby Valentine, you know, I think that's just fans speculating. I'm okay with that. Um, but uh, Buck Walter, he's my guy. He's the one I would put in that situation because he's dealt with the New York media. No one has ever dealt with this level of firestorm, but Buck, Buck's dealt with the New York media, so he'd be my number one choice. But please, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Please, Mets, do me one favor. Do not put Luis Rojas or anyone who has never managed in the big leagues in that spot. Think about it before you make that. That'll be an enormous mistake, my opinion. So, Rich, Rich, well, can, I, can I throw this out there before, before uh, Mike, you take over? Uh, does Hensley Mullen kind of fall in the gray area of what you're talking about with this? No, he doesn't. He, he's, never, he's never managed in the big leagues. He's also new to the organization. I think he'd be a worse choice than Luis Rojas, quite frankly. Rich, set out the Rich, stage. Rich. You're, listen, you're listening to a Metsian podcast, and our guest, our guest this afternoon is Jeff Cohen of Baseball and Barbecue. Rich, you know, set us up. So, Jeff, uh, take it away. Rich, Rich was, they made such logical sense, but we all know that's not going to happen. Brody's going to want somebody in his in that position, maybe being a puppet is a, is a strong word, but someone he can control. He's going to get a, a first-timer. I know it. I think most of the, the Mets fans know it. I'm with you. I want Buck Schalter. This guy has dealt with New York media. He's dealt with the Yankees for so long. He, he's, he's been a winner. Now, I know he's never went to the World Series, but every time he left a, a gig, that team goes to the World Series next year. So you know when he leaves the Mets, the Mets will be in the World Series eventually. I'm uh, obviously uh, half kidding there, but the guy knows how to manage, knows New York, been there, done that, but that's not going to happen because Brody's going to want his own guy who he can control. Now, of the candidates who's going to be the first-timers, you know, I've been going back and forth. I don't want Louis Rojas. I'm sure he's a nice guy and can, and can do a fine job. I don't want him. 
Bam Bam, uh, you know, I'm okay with it. But if I'm going to choose any one of those names out there, I guess I would have to say Eduardo Perez for several reasons. One, he, uh, well, like I said, Brody's not going to have some, doesn't want anybody with experience. He's, I think he's well-versed in today's analyst game. He's bilingual, and he, has, he can't hurt that he has a Hall of Fame dad to get advice from. So having said that, I think it, I think it should go to Eduardo Perez, that, but I, I, want, I wanted Buck Walter. I'm okay with Dusty Baker. I mean, I know this hearing, this thing saying that Terry Collins comes back for a caretaker for a year. I don't think that's going to happen. As much as he's a nice guy, he really wasn't the you know wasn't the greatest manager in the world. Even though he got us to the 15 World Series, um, Buck's my guy, but I know it's not going to happen. Sam, like I said, less than 25 days till pitchers and catchers report. We have no managers. My question to you is: Are they going to get this right, or are they going to blow it? It's not often teams get a redo, and here we are. I can't say they're not going to blow it. It always seems like the Mets' success comes by accident, right? I mean, you know, Sandy Alderson did have a track record. Uh, and he made three straight World Series with one win. Um, and they brought him in. They got him to the World Series. And, 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 yes, in many ways, in some, you know, perfect storm, magical way. Um, but when it comes to this moment... All I can think is that, no, this is not going to be the perfect storm where, you know what, it's the best thing that ever happened in the Mets. No, especially coming out of the fact that they're supposed to be negotiating to segue this thing out. And then you sit there and, oh, my God, it just keeps coming back to, like, why am I listening to this guy talk about my baseball team? What is Jeff on doing here and saying anything about anything? You know, it's just, oh, my God. No, they're going to fuck it up. They're going to fuck it up. And <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, like, that was your question. But at the same time, I'll, I'll go back to, like, what I think should happen and, or, or what I think will happen. Um, I'm not as I, – I, I'm, I'm not as I'm, – I'm a little bit more gray area going with a phrase I use with Hensley Mullins about – the Louis Rojas is in the Hensley Mullins because, you know, there's arguably like kind of like, look what happened to Bobby Valentine and the Boston Red Sox in 2012. And obviously they didn't necessarily have the, the uh, environment and, and the, the, uh, what was going on in, in, you know, in baseball, it wasn't this, Um, which is why when you look at, 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 the the um, easiest way you could segue out of this, you know, like there's going to be a lot of look what happened to the Knicks when when they brought in Carmelo Anthony and and they completely revamped that team in the middle of a playoff run. You know, you got to think about like one month out of here, maybe the easiest uh, segue, which would be Louis Rojas or Hensley Mullins, considering they've been preparing with this organization for a while and have paid their dues. Um, it may be easier than, than bringing in a bucker or dusty, but at the same time, I will double advocate devil's advocate myself with that and say that um, with buck and dusty, it might not be that 
a, a hard of a transition for them to all of a sudden understand this organization because they've been doing this for so long. And they'd obviously be coming in here for probably a one and done or maybe even just two years at the, the most because we're talking about uh, guys that are, that are at the, uh, the, uh, the autumn of the years uh, even further when it comes to, to baseball, when it comes to managing specifically. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're thinking like this, this is the same thing with Terry Collins. Uh, why he was thinking like, you know, yes, they were going to fire him, but it seemed like it was a mutual agreement, uh, especially considering the relationship between him and Fred Wilpon. Um, you know, the travel, the, the, the grind, like this, they, they Buck, you know, Buck is obviously interviewing and is ready. And he's talked about it on, on, on uh, uh, sports radio this off season that, you know, he still wants to manage um, but at the same time, there is that factor that they're not going to be able to do this uh, that much longer. So, it, you know, it, it, it's obviously probably a, a different world. There's obviously more comfort when it comes to the way these teams travel and the way these teams operate than, you know, uh, the, the 1972 Cubs living out of Wrigley Field. But um, it, it's, still stuff, it's still a grind, bottom line. So, there's a bunch of different factors. Where do you go from here? I would like, like, like when you're saying, uh, uh, Rich, that Hensley Mullins and, and, um, you know, they'd be trying to figure this out kind of like Mickey Calloway was doing, except with even more of a, of, of, of the heat on. Um, I think, you know, especially with Hensley Mullins, I don't think, uh, that, it would be that much of a stretch. San Francisco is a pretty heavy sports town, even though obviously it's not New York and it's not even like Philly or Boston. Uh, but I, I still think he may be, when you look at it, um, outside of Buck and Dusty, the most prepared. You know, Louis, Louis Rojas has been in this organization, has been doing this for a while. But yes, he, he would be doing it in the big leagues, whether it's any job. Uh, for the first time. So Hensley Mullins is, is an interesting place to go when I think when it comes to kind of, yes, it would be his first time managing in the big leagues, but he's been doing this for a long time and has three world championships as a bench coach, I believe under his belt. So he, he may be a sleeper pick here. I wanted Buck before I want Buck now. Um, Otherwise, everything that Jeff and Rich said, I'm in lockstep with. I don't believe Carlos Beltran would have survived the media maelstrom headed his way. Uh, and then you can just layer everything on top of that. Uh, you know, Luis Rojas, he's a resume guy. He's paid his dues. He's done all the prerequisites for the job. The only thing that the only thing left for him to do is be a major league manager. Uh, and if hired, you know, that I guess would be the best argument for. Do I want to go that right? No, I, I said I want Buck. But it would be hard to argue against Rojas other than, you know, you just not finding favor in him. Uh, but he's done everything but, you know, he's paid his dues. He's, he did it the old-fashioned way, from the ground up, uh, and he's been groomed. You know, uh, what condition 
we find the Mets in, you know, that's subjective. It's a fan opinion, you know. Uh, are we still rebuilding? Are we win now? Are we on the precipice? Uh, do we still have a ways to go? You know, those are open-ended arguments. And, and that's why Rojas could or could not be a fit, depending on which way you sway. Now the big question, gentlemen, and, uh, you know, I think we're just going to try to have a little bit of fun with this uh, before we get into a little bit of Mets history. Rewind. Let's talk about the 2018 season and the 2019 season. You know, if you want to rewind to 2017, Alex Cora's bench coach with the Houston Astros managed by A.J. Hinch. So that's why I ask you, in 2018 and 2019, for that matter, Astros play the Red Sox, be it at Juice Box Park or at Fenway. It's 15 minutes before game time. The home plate meeting with the umpires and managers and exchanging lineups. If you were a fly at home plate, how does that conversation go? Hey, I want to steal your signs today if you don't score mine. Yeah, agreed. Hey, play them all. So, Rich, I'll start with you. I think it's don't ask, don't tell, Mike. I think, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like they, they'd both be – they'd be screwing each other and themselves if they had that conversation. I know you're, you're kidding, but um, but I think it might be – maybe it's a phone call that they have with each other or some texting, you know, before, <laughs> before the series saying, hey, turn off your iPads, we'll turn off ours, right? And maybe there's no honor among thieves, who knows, but um, – but it's certainly not a conversation they're having at home plate. Could you imagine? Hey, umpire, plug your ears, okay? Major League Baseball, plug your ears. <laughs> hey, well, well, old, old, old school, old school. Uh, earmuffs, earmuffs, earmuffs. You turn off you the know? buzzer. We'll turn off the, we'll, we won't bang on the drum. Everybody's good here. All right, good. Okay, umpire, start listening again. If it hits the screen over there, it's the ground rule double. You know, I mean, come on. Um, I, I just don't see them having that. I know you're, like I said, I know you were kidding. I don't see them having that conversation in public, but I wonder. <laughs> you raise a good point. Do they you wonder what they're thinking. The well, they Jeff, how does that communication take place? Yeah, I, I, I don't think know. they look into. I think they look into each other's eyes with a little uh, head nod and you know, kind of a wink, and you know, I don't do it, you don't do it, or, or we just walk well, out of business. You know, it would it would really make for like a good episode of a of a um. Like like a big Major League Baseball series. If this literally were like you know a dramatic HBO Major League Baseball series where it weren't just the baseball we were watching, but every day we saw this narrative dramatic with actors playing out, they'd basically be trying to figure out like they know what's going on, but at that point they're not going to you know you know uh, Alex Cora is not going to make AJ Hinch privy to to what the way they're doing it in Fenway, or, or I, I forget where you said that the, the game occurred, uh, Mike, but, but, you know, they're not, uh, uh, you know, at that point, I guess Alex Cora has more of an advantage if it's in Minute Maid Park because he's the one who left Minute Maid Park to go to Fenway. So, you know, it, 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 at that point, if it's at Fenway, then A.J. Hinch is trying to figure out and, like, you know, all of a sudden it dawns on him exactly where, the telescope is, if you will, you know, especially considering that it's an old school ballpark and it would kind of, you maybe have to do it like you, you did it back uh, when the Giants did it to the Dodgers. And, 
and you know with with a telescope from you know mum's the word with the scoreboard watcher the the scoreboard changers out there mike if, uh, if i could have one more minute if i could have one, one more second on that it's tied to that so somebody who I, I dislike probably more than anybody who's put a baseball uniform on he's certainly right up there is mark Teixeira, who i think is a big phony um but if you think about um what happened with that whole thing with Hansel Robles when Teixeira was on second base and he was like completely mocking Hansel Robles saying that, Oh, we have the signs. He was touching his nose, his legs, he was laughing at him and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one thing Teixeira said after the game that I have to say is accurate, which leads to this, this point is he said, look, if you think we have the signs then change your signs, I mean, what's the big deal? So my point to you is to answer your question you know, maybe they, they don't text, they don't talk about it. It's just like, look, I know you know and you know I know, so we're going to try to outsmart you. You know, in other words, we change signs every hitter. We use an indicator sign. Maybe the sign doesn't come from the catcher. It comes from the dugout, you know, that kind of thing. So maybe it's a matter of just out trying to outsmart each other because they both knew what was going on, and maybe that's what they did. They didn't talk about it. They didn't address it, not even to each other. They just tried to use some kind of a scheme that would make it, you know, um, for lack of, I don't think this is a word, but non-decodable, you know, so that, that I just wanted to throw that in. Uh, unless any, I'll, I'll say to the three is if you have any outstanding issues that we didn't bring up, think about that now while you ponder my next question. Very quickly, I just want to go over this. Uh, in, in the tabloids, at least, and, and in recent uh, articles, it's been reported that the Mets are still potentially $350 million in debt. Any quick uh, opinions about that? I'll start with you, Jeff. No surprise. I can't wait for Uncle Stevie to take over. I wish <laughs> Uncle Stevie was, was related. Uncle Stevie. <laughs> Uncle Stevie. <laughs> but, but, I'm not Jeff? surprised. I don't know why that one tickled me so much. It's just like, like it instantly, what a subtle, subtle good joke, Jeff. It's not that subtle, I guess, but, like, you know, I, I immediately was like, oh, yeah, Cohen. <laughs> I'm checking my genealogy very carefully. Let me tell you that. Yeah, right. You're just like, hey, Stevie. Stevie, I'm I'm supposed to have uh, two billion of that 14. Exactly. <laughs> Rich, what do you I, I'm not surprised they're in debt. I mean, no, but I don't think anybody is. What do you make of $300 million in debt, Rich? Rich? Hey, Richie. Sorry, I was muted, guys. 1-800-Steve-Cohen, right? That's my answer. And I'll tell you what. Um, Major League Baseball, right? If you're Rob, tell me, help me with this. If you're Rob Manfred or your other people who have, you know, who run this this wonderful institution, one of your flagship franchises, let's face it, you're not talking about the Oakland A's, you're not talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're talking about one of your flags, one of your top six franchises in the sport that generates revenue or the ability to generate revenue, $350 million in debt, and you've got Steve Cohen. What in the living hell is the delay for getting this guy approved? Why aren't you, for the good of the game, to, first of all, erase the debt that this team has so teams start operating normally? What is the, what is the holdup? He's like a godsend for this organization oh that's critically important to the success of baseball. What is what are they talking about? Like, what are they doing right this minute that they're not working on the approval of Steve Cohen? That's what I want to know. 
Old boys club. Old boys club. That's the only thing I can think, man. You know, like, it just, it goes back to, like, the way, like, you heard it uh, with, uh, um, I I really, I apologize if I'm butchering her name, but it was Laura Katzergeen, the, the, uh, God, I got to look it up, uh, of course, unless somebody can help me here. But the 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 uh, lawsuit about the uh, unwedded uh, pregnant lady um, who Jeff uh, uh, mocked about that, you know, like it just it 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 when I heard the way that the allegations were uh, uh, with Jeff, that it it was it was an old boys club thing, and 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 considering that one of the reasons why the you know the McCourts obviously I think it I, I was just arguing on Twitter about this that that it's still. I think very subjective to say which one is worse uh, 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 with with the way that Frank McCourt was operating versus the way that the the Wilpons have uh, operated, you know, because of the Madoff thing. But obviously, we know that you know Fred Wilpon and Bud Seeley go way back, and and a lot of people think that that you know for, uh, uh, Rob Manfred is just an extension in many ways of Bud Seeley. Although I argue that Bud Seeley was never this incompetent when it came to leading. Major League Baseball. At some point, he recognized that that you know he had to come clean. Obviously, that he'd let things slide because the game was doing so well with the steroid era. But at some point, he took control, and you know you, you can say that the way that Bud Seeley grew the game, uh, even though the steroid era happened, uh, uh, you know made the fact that he was uh, friends with. Fred Wilpon might be one of the bigger stars on his, his legacy at this point, considering that, you know, he, he let, you know, they, they've been basically been going back to a word that we used earlier, complicit in this, uh, but C league and, and major league baseball have been complicit in allowing the Mets to continue this way. Um, you know, they know that they obviously don't have the proper operation, but you, they, they're basically being courteous to Fred Wilpon until he, he goes and, and I, I guess that that's maybe one of the elements of, of this segue is going all the way back to the old boys club elements of it. And the fact that all these guys are friends, uh, they're letting them segue out and go off into the sunset as slow as possible uh, because out of respect for Fred Wilpon. That's the only thing I can think of because this is just absolute nonsense. Seeing Jeff Wilpon say, does that question, like, in almost sort of, like, mockingly, like, condescending tone, like, yeah, we know that it doesn't have anything to do with Mike Piazza, but, like, come on here. Get off my baseball team. Jesus. Yeah. The floor is open, gentlemen. Going once, going twice. Last questions, comments, rude remarks. <laughs> Sold. We shall move on to Mets history. In honor of episode oh, 40. God. You know, and, and it's just like, like, and, and sorry, yeah, like when, when Rich was saying that, uh, you know, it's just all, all I could be was, all I could be was exacerbated about it. And it's just like, yeah, let's move on to Mets history. Let's stop thinking about this because, you know, baseball is coming up and it's, it's this, this entire thing is so surreal that let's just go live in number 40. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do just that. Players who've won number 40. Uh, I'm sure you guys have done your homework. If you look over the list, it's rather unimpressive. Uh, but there's certainly some topical players there to deal with. <laughs> so, uh, Sam, I will, 
I will give it back to you and kick us off with players who won number 40. You know, before, uh, I, I didn't notice Calvin Schiraldi's name until just before we were going in there. I had Randy Neiman and, and Bartolo Colon lined up here, but Calvin Schiraldi going into Randy Neiman, like, like that, that's, you know, number eight and nine for uh, the list of, of, at the point, you know, the, the eighth and ninth players, respectively, to wear number 40. Um, it, it makes for an interesting conversation about, about the, the segue and, and that nuanced element to the 1986 World Championship of Calvin Schiraldi. Uh, sure, yeah, I'm saying it right. <laughs> As somebody who didn't grow up watching Calvin Schiraldi. But, um, you know, just, just it's such an interesting narrative of the entire uh, uh, history of 1986 in that Calvin Schiraldi used to be on the Mets. He talked to Kevin Mitchell when they roomed together. Uh, Bobby Ojeda and him were traded for each other, and then Randy Neiman took this, uh, uh, this number over for all of 1986. Um, and, and obviously, I think at some point, he's also been the bullpen coach in, uh, uh, for the Mets, I, and it looks like not with number 40. Um, so I go considering that there, you know, Randy Neiman's a, a world champion, uh, for the Mets, but then Bartolo Colon uh, may have taken it over just in personality alone, uh, uh, considering that. And I, I go back to the fact that, like, you know, I know there's some, some controversy with, with uh, some of his domestic issues, Bartolo Colon, but when you look at what he meant for this team it, from 2014 to 2016, um, and then they don't go, they, they kind of fall apart the, uh, right after that. Um, in 2017 and, and, you know, may have had a chance to re-sign him anyway. Um, you know, I, I think Bartolo Colon meant a lot to this team at that time for, for getting them to the promised land and, and just, just kind of, you know, being a leader, going back to that word that we were talking about, in both the way that he operated on the, the mound as well as not taking himself so seriously and being such kind of a, a goofball while also continuously performing at a high level into his 40s. Um, you know, Bartolo Colon has, I think, a, 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 a large argument outside of a world champion, considering that, uh, he, unfortunately, Bartolo Colon could only have a National League championship ring. Um, I, I, I think when looking oh, – and, then, you, know, you know, shout out to Pat Zachary and George Stone. Here, here's some other names that I'm, I'm not seeing uh, that I didn't see until the last minute. I was going to uh, mention those two. I'm sorry. I was going to mention George Stone and Pat Zachary because they're connected to Tom Seaver. Since uh, George Stone, I know um, Ed Cranepool has said George Stone should have started game six in the 73 World Series that Tom Seaver pitched game seven if necessary. And then, of course, Seaver being traded to Pat Zachary. And Zachary took over uh, number 40. Um, but those are, uh, those are the two guys I would have uh, called it. I would have shouted out. Yeah, I, I'm going to do the same, Mike, I, I think, with Pat Zachary. Um, how would you like to be him, right? I mean, the Mets go out, they trade Seaver, and you get Zachary, Flynn, Henderson, and Dan Norman. Well, Flynn, Henderson, and Norman were position players. Zachary was the guy who had to fill the rotation spot left open by Tom Seaver. And um, that, that's rough business, you know, that really is. Uh, Zachary, I believe, had won the um, the Rookie of the Year in '76. 
came over in 77. And his Mets statistics are, are pretty pedestrian, 41 and 46 as a Met over six seasons. Um, you know, not horrible, certainly anything to write home about. ERA of 404. But Zachary, you know, and he has to stop kicking uh, dugout stairs, right? He broke his foot. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but somebody should have told him that, you know, that's cement, dude. That's not, you know, not a pillow. You're going to hurt yourself. Um, so, but here's a guy, you know, it, it was, the, the deck was stacked against him, right? So he comes over and um, he did a serviceable job. Those are some bad teams, you know, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82. Those are some bad Met teams and serviceable at 41 and 46, which that winning percentage is probably 471, probably better than the winning percentage of the teams he was on. So you have to say he um, he outperformed uh, the ball club during during those years, and um, I always felt bad for him. I really did. And and as you look at some other, some of these other numbers, I want to throw out Jeff Innes. Um, Jeff Innes, side arming right hander. I always thought he was underrated. You know, he was like a middle reliever kind of a guy who'd come in, a spot starter on occasion. Um, he would. That's redundant, right? Spot starter on occasion. Um, he would come in and uh, start when he had to. He would get righties out with his submarine right-handing delivery. You know, solid, not spectacular, solid guy. And I'll leave it with Tim Burdak only because he was effective, you know, on some bad Met teams. And he also had quite a personality. You know, Tim Burdak was that guy who always had something funny to say. Um, I think he did some imitations of different people along the way. So, you know, when, when times were bleak in 2011, 2012, 2013, Burdak not only got lefties out, but he also provided some levity. So uh, so those are mine. And he was also able to, like, segue a, a Jerry Seinfeld reference into it, which is always, yes. you know, will we'll tickle a Metsian heart. He had that bird, right? He called it Baby Jerry Seinfeld. Right. He had some bird in the little, cage, little, right? Little, little Jerry Seinfeld, because that was the, the name of the, the cockfighting bird, was Little Jerry Seinfeld, I think. I have one more <laughs> to say, Mike, real quick, if I could. Um, Braden Looper wore it in 2004. Mets got him from the Marlins, sent him as a free agent off the Marlins. He was supposed to be a, a good closer, and he was, you know, up and down like any other closer. But what I always thought was most, most interesting about him is if you looked at his first initial and his last name, you had Blooper. I always thought that was funny. He loves a Blooper reel. No one's ever pointed that out to me. That's great. I have really nothing more to add to the list. I'm, look, Jeff, I'm so glad uh, you, you, you walked us through the, the 73 series with George Stone. Uh, my fans should know that of a certain age. Uh, for the others, you know, that's what we do here at a Metsian podcast. And Pat Zachary, man, it, what if I said to you, Glenn, all right, you're going to take Tom Seaver. Is it the greatest beard here. in Mets history? Say again? Is it the greatest beard in Mets history? Yeah, it could be. Uh, it's up, certainly up there. Certainly up there. Can I get one more on number 40, if you don't yeah. mind? It, it, it has a connection to the overall theme of today's podcast. Uh, the fifth guy to wear it was Brent Strom, who is the coach, pitching coach of the Houston Astros. Ah, nice. Cheater. What was that? Sorry, what was <laughs> that name? What was the name? Brent Strom, <laughs> pitching coach of the, uh, ah. of the Houston Astros. And, you know, Garrett Cole went to the Astros. He got significantly better uh, when, when uh, 
Verlander went to the Astros. He got he got better. So just uh, you know, who knows what's going on over there? Yeah, sure. War War number forty for the Mets in 1972. Brent Strom. Unless you have anything else, gentlemen, uh, what say you? We go into our final word. Once. Um, I, I'll just I'll just say I'll just say that Pat Zachary uh, is one of my favorite Mets in in their history. Um, it is unfortunate that he kicked the the stairs because he was having a great season. Uh, and that 1978 season, it's just one of those those seasons like like you know you look at 2009, 1992, uh, 1978. You know there 2012 even to an extent. 2012 was actually more successful through July than these other seasons where they kind of teetered uh, in the middle and then everything fell apart because of injury in many fashion, uh, you know. 1978 is just one of those those uh, years where they could have maybe gone in a different direction coming out of the Tom Seaver trade, but unfortunately, 1978, you know, sealed the deal for, for the fact that M. Donald Grant uh, was not going about it in the right way. Uh, on that note, you know, having gone through it, Rich, just... <laughs> It was just dismaying. You bring up 78. It was just dismaying in 78 uh, to have seen Jerry Grody in a Dodgers uniform and Bud Harrelson no longer on the team and Tom Seaver gone. And, and you know, Jerry Kuzman was on the way out. Uh, and, and just to see these guys, you know, who were still playing, albeit in their, you know, latter years, just not in a Mets uniform. It was just a little dismaying to see these guys getting dispersed. But, you know, that that that's time and that's baseball and that's the evolution of uh that's the evolution of it all. So uh let's get into our final word without further ado and I'll start with you, Rich. I have three words. Get it right. Um the Mets have to make a very, very important decision. Um I'm assuming it'll be in the next week. They've gotta get this manager thing right. Um uh, and I'll just throw the same caution out I threw out earlier. This is not hiring a manager for the New York Mets in the typical format. This is going to be somebody who going to, who's going to have to navigate through a period of upheaval. The questions are going to, you know, come to this person, no matter who it is. How do you feel taking over for this, for Beltron? You know, do you think you're blah, 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 all that stuff. They have to get this right. Probably, I'll throw this out, probably more so in terms of a managerial hire than at any other time in the organization's history. That's my opinion. You've been listening to a Metsian podcast with our guest this afternoon, Jeff Cohen of Baseball and Barbecue. Jeff, before you get into your final word, why don't you uh, just remind folks out there what you're doing and where we can find it. And thank you for your time this afternoon, and you're always welcome back on a Metsian podcast. Oh, uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoy talking with you guys. Uh, Baseball and BBQ, we just celebrated our second anniversary, which uh, was very nice. And we have plenty more things coming up. You can check us out at www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Also on iTunes, any of the podcasting uh, formats, we now put up a YouTube channel. And you can check us out at it's baseball and barbecue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Baseball and BBQ. And I just put up some of the videos that we shot. I shot yesterday from uh, Bowley's in New York City. Check that out. My my final word, I think, would be only the Mets. 
Because only the Mets could get involved in a scandal they were not involved in. <laughs> only the Mets could have this, the manager resign on a day they're honoring one of the greatest players in baseball history on the team, naming a street after him. What was it? The address of the stadium. Only the Mets this could happen to. It doesn't happen to any other franchise, but only the Mets. And I agree, they got to get this one right. I have a feeling that you're going to go for a, uh, a, a new a first-time manager who, who Brody's going to control. I just hope they get 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 the right person in there. Uh, one buck Walter. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen, but hoping for the best. Sam, I'm merely going to echo the sentiments of Jeff and Rich. Uh, you know, it's not often you get a redo, and here we are. They need to get it right. So your final word, Sam. Before I get to my final word, just to understand about uh, Tradition Field or whatever it's called now, um, they lease that. They don't own any land around there, correct? Not sure. I don't know. Because it's just, it's just um, they, obviously they, they think that, you know, they, they're very confident in their long-term future over there if they're naming a street after Mike Piazza. So, um you know, it just kind of reminds me of where this team is in this transition of power and, you know, makes me think, again, what is going on? <laughs> but anyway, my final word is surreal. This is extremely surreal. You're just kind of it's, – it's all happening in real time. It's all happening very quickly, and there's so many rumors flying up and down and left and right. Somebody right now uh, who's, who's uh, a better journalist than I <laughs> and an actual journalist is uh, putting together an expose, uh, trying to piece together more things, trying to make their names, uh, you know, make, make, you know, not only get to the bottom of this from a, if you want to like go down a, a, a cliche movie standpoint. But also, you know, they'll they'll have uh, you know a sports Peabody, uh, uh, if you will. Um, you know, there, there's this is the tip of the iceberg, and so it's very surreal uh, to be going through this right now because it we you know it's 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 happening in real time. We don't know when if there will ever be an end. Uh, you know, if if you think that this has already been bookended, well, then you're in for a real treat and just sit back, relax, and continue to, to try to figure out and piece together what this is going to mean for this sport going forward. And, uh, you know, you got you got you to gotta give them credit. There's probably people talking about baseball more than they've talked about baseball in a while, right? Hey, Rob Manfred, huh? huh? Oh, my God. <laughs> That said, that's a wrap. Enjoy championship football Sunday, everyone. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Jeff. Sam, I thank you. Take us home the only way we know how. Let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets. Oh, Mets. Oh, my God. Let's go, Mets. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for everybody. Thank you for everything. Enjoy football. Bye-bye. Goodbye.